Welcome to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and food and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you. And I know that you're in exactly the right place to change that narrative and build a body you love inside and out. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the final episode of the Fit and Free with AIM podcast and that just actually reminded me there's going to be a big change with the podcast coming in 2023 and I tell you it's going to make it so much better which is very very exciting but thank you so much for being here as always I super appreciate it. I think we're coming up to like 5,000 downloads, which is super, super exciting as well. So just thank you very, very much for your support. We're actually number 48 on the Australian Apple Fitness Charts this week, which is super cool. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for supporting this podcast, for supporting me or the YouTube channel if you like watching on YouTube. I also promise that I'm going to get my YouTube act together uh, next year. I really want to look at building that up and producing a better quality video even if it's not the podcast of just creating content that is like more for YouTube first which it really excites me and excites the creativity in me so a few different things are coming for next year I thought I'd also give you a quick update on what's happening with me right now so just finished one week of prep round two for the year so if you don't know I actually did do three months of a bikini comp prep uh, I can't even remember when sometime this year and then my sh- my show got cancelled the actual whole federation got cancelled and there was only going to be about six weeks left for me to jump into another show and I probably needed about 12 weeks of work and I just was not at a point where I was going to squeeze 12 weeks of work into six weeks. It just wasn't going to be what I wanted to do. There's always another show. So my next, my comp date is going to be on the 6th or 7th of May, I believe. I have no idea how many weeks out I am. To be honest with you, as last, as the same as last time, if you're around for my last prep, things are pretty like boring. It doesn't change my life at all. Like I don't, doesn't feel like I'm doing anything differently. The only thing that's changed is that my calories have come down and I do need to be a bit more on the ball with hitting my targets. So when I'm in a maintenance phase or even a growth phase, to be fair with you, I'm, I'm pretty damn flexible. Like I, I continually tick things off every single day, but I'm ballpark. Like I'm ballpark all of my targets all the time. I don't necessarily track my food. But once I move into a comp prep, because it's a specific sporting pursuit or athletic pursuit or competition pursuit, that's when I do need to turn the dials up and become more, what's the word, accurate in terms of all of the things I'm doing and hitting the targets really, really close to, as close as I can to 100%. It's not going to be 100% ever, but um, as close as I can. So that's just the difference between like me in a lead up to a competition date versus me just chilling. Usually um, most of the things now I have enough education and experience to pretty much keep track of like in my head without having to stress myself out too much with um, data tracking. Although to be fair with you, like again, I don't get stressed out with data tracking. It's just 
it's something that I don't make mean anything about me. So I obviously used to, if you've listened to the podcast, you'll know this whole thing was extremely stressful and overwhelming for me. Um, and now I don't really think about it too much because it just doesn't define who I am, what, what, I, what um, you know, what I make it mean about me, none of that. So it's a much more straightforward process. And that is my hope for you. And I think that that is actually a great segue for the topic of this podcast. So if you're watching on YouTube again, if I you see me look to my right, it's because I'm referring to my notes. So we are cracking into episode 57. And I want to tell you how my clients built muscle this year, how they hit PBs, how they let go of food anxiety, and how they built a body that they really love. So I'm going to take you through five points. I'm hoping this is going to be a fast one. And as always, if you want to share with me your experience, if you have questions in the show notes, there should be a link to my Instagram. So please head over and DM me. I would absolutely love to hear from you. So getting into the five points, the first one is they trusted the process. So what typically happens when someone has come to me, they're, they're doing something previously. So they are training, they are, they have some kind of food strategy, right? But it wasn't paying off in the way that they thought it should or the way that they wanted it to. So my ladies, the women who come to me, typically they're not, they've, they've, they've trained before, right? They're not complete newbies. They have some idea of food in some way. Okay, maybe they don't know how to track their macros, but they know what protein is, for example, right? There is some idea of what's happening. And typically, I'm asking them to take quite a leap of faith in trusting me in the process, at least initially before they do see results. So with training and with nutrition, there's going to be a lag time before the results kick in, whether that's four weeks, whether it's eight weeks, whether it's three months, sometimes four months there might be a lag before they can really see the progress. And in that lag, they're, they're having to completely trust the process and trust me and trust my experience in getting results for my clients, which I think given the amount of women that I've worked with and the results that I do share and that I do have up in all of my highlights and on my website and stuff, you can see that it's worked for a whole range of different women. Uh, so I think that that def definitely helps seeing that, yes, I have the track record of working with hundreds of women previously and getting them results. But typically it's going to ask them for the most common scenario is typically it's a pullback on their training volume. So how many sets per week they're doing and typically also even how many days. Most of my ladies train four days a week. I have a few on five and a few on three, but most of my ladies are training four days a week. And generally that's a pullback from the six or seven that they were doing or the five, six or seven that they were doing. Uh, very, I think this is the case always. I'm always getting them to eat more. I'm always asking that they eat more. And again, this is very strategic and this can panic some people. I understand it, but please remember my job as a coach is to get you the result you want. I'm not going to ask you to do something that is going to pull you further away from your goal. And it might be counterintuitive to you, but like I said, and again, you can go to all of the results and the testimonials that I've got from my clients to see that it's going to work. <laughs> if you take that leap of faith, follow the strategy, which I will outline 
I'll outline usually 12 weeks in advance. So usually you'll have three months. Sometimes my client have my clients have longer uh, periods of time mapped out, whether it's six months or even roughly 12 months of what they're doing. So you'll know what you're doing for the foreseeable future and you'll understand why a big part of how I coach weekly, my weekly check-ins, is to explain why I'm making choices. And I will say these are the you know two, three, four choices that we have. This is the one I think is most appropriate for you in this setting. And sometimes I even ask, like, I've got these two choices. I actually think both will suit you. Which would you prefer? And then my clients can let me know. And that way they're starting to learn as well. And this is something that's really, really important because if we're not, if we haven't experienced that before, we can often think that there is one way to do things, that there is a right way or that there there is a set of rules that we have to follow to get specific results. And uh, there are definitely overarching principles that we need to follow, but more often than not, there are different tools that we can utilize given someone's personality type, someone's season in life and uh, their current lifestyle to make sure we're going to get them the results as efficiently as we can for them and their needs at any given time. And my clients, I typically work with my clients for years. I'm talking five, four, three years, like long periods of time. And in that seasons change, there's job changes, there's relationship changes, there's pregnancies, there are a lot happening. And we do need to make sure we're fitting the strategies and then the protocols we're using in the strategies to the individual at that point in time to get them the results. So I often say to my clients, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? So it also asks that they are willing to to take that to take that leap and take the action that I'm I'm putting in front of them which like I said just then may be counterintuitive. So if you're wanting to lose body fat and I'm asking you for a period of time and again I'll explain why to eat some more, you're going to actually have to execute on that and do it and to follow the plan, okay? And like I said there's going to be that lag period of time especially when we're first starting where the results won't have come through yet and you're implementing, implementing, implementing. And then whether it's at the four-week mark, the two-month mark, the three-month mark, or sometimes four-month mark, depending on who I'm working with, a more advanced trainee might take longer to see a noticeable change than someone who is newer. But it is asking you to trust this process. So that is number one. The second one is that they communicate with me even when it's uncomfortable. So typically what happens is a lot of the women that I attract have high standards, they're perfectionists, and some of them are really ready to just go like a bull at a gate and they don't care anymore if they're going to fail along the way, but they will still communicate with me. For others, they're wanting to, but it's really, really uncomfortable for them to do so. So I might hear things like, I really didn't want to tell you this, but I'm I'm here and I'm telling you this because I know it's going to help us problem solve and move forward. And they they might say I wasn't even going to check in, but I'm doing it. You know, I've committed to this process, and I know how important it is for me to share this with you. And what I say to them is like, first of all, I appreciate you so much. I can see you that I understand how challenging it can be because please remember I am a client myself, but previously struggled a lot with perfectionism and an all or nothing. So I don't talk about this too much, but before I was qualified as a personal trainer, 
I was an all or nothing type client and I had a coach who is my friend now. She's beautiful, not the train wreck comp prep coach that I had. Um, but my first ever online coach is someone who I've, I've made friends with now and she's beautiful, but it's so embarrassing to me because I remember signing up with her for four. I actually can't remember. So I, I did four weeks of work with her. I think the, the agreement we had was maybe six or eight weeks together. And I completely ghosted her for the back end of the four weeks. Okay. So what happened was I was able to implement things well for four weeks. I was living at my, at the time, an ex-partner's parents' house, which is a long story, right? But his mum would cook us dinner and there was just this like relationship rift between us because I wasn't wanting to like consume all of the food and I was kind of wanting to make my own food. And it was just horrendous. And I, I didn't know how to manage that. So I just stopped checking in because I was like, well, what's the point? If I can't get dinner right, what's the point of anything? And yeah, like it's crazy for me to think that that was who I was not too long ago. So that was like maybe eight years ago or so. And so like I completely understand and I've been in that place before where I have ghosted because I wasn't able to do everything perfect. But one thing I do want to say to you is we won't break that cycle unless we break that cycle. Okay, so as uncomfortable as it is, as much as the stories in your brain are going to be like, don't bother, it's not worth it, why why are you bothering? Or even some bullshit like you're disappointing Amy, can I just say you saying that you're disappointing your coach, I actually think is trying to like pass the buck of responsibility of the results you actually want for you. Because you've hired me to help you get a certain result. And it's not about disappointing me. It's about admitting that you're disappointing yourself. And I think sometimes that can be too hard to admit to ourselves. So we put it off on someone else. We externalize the disappointment. Oh, I'm disappointing my coach. No, maybe you're disappointing you. Okay. And that can be really, really hard to hear. But I just want to say that shame lurks in the shadows. And it's really, really, it's been helpful to me when I came across that phrase. That was from a mentor uh, that I worked with last year in like actually a business sense. And this talks about if we feel shame about something, number one, I can guarantee you someone else has felt this feeling, but number two, we actually start to loosen the grip it has on us when we put it out there into the world, okay? So it's really important that if we are feeling uncomfortable, but we have hired support, please use them. And I'm sorry to say, I have heard, unfortunately, of not many, but some experiences where a client has been struggling with something and has brought it up with the coach. And unfortunately, that coach has kind of reprimanded them. I'm sorry to hear that. And with my coaching style, at least, yes, I'm going to hold a mirror up to you. And when I think you're bullshitting yourself, I will say that. Yet at the same time, if we are admitting things that this is really hard to say, or I can tell that the person is trying very hard and they're beating themselves up or they're falling short of their standards or something like that, I'm not going to come in with the, we'll just try harder or, well, you don't care enough or you're not serious enough. I do not subscribe to any of those things. I don't think anyone's issue is ever that, okay? So I do just want to say making sure that as uncomfortable as it is that you voice that even to say this is the most uncomfortable thing ever I really don't want to tell you but I know that 
we will be able to, or we will more likely be able to either solve this problem if I let you know, or I'm just going to take a weight off my chest at the very least by voicing this, by voicing my concerns, by by voicing my self-doubt, by voicing that I actually don't think I can do this thing that I said I wanted to do. Like the reality, reality of it is not what I thought it, thought it was going to be. And that's all okay. All right. So I just wanted to say number two, they communicated with me and they still continue to communicate with me even when it's uncomfortable, even when they feel like they're getting flashbacks of being in school and getting a less than perfect result and they have to go through that discomfort all over again. They know that it's worth it and they know as well every single time they do it, it makes it just that tiny bit easier the next time. All right. And number three is getting out of their comfort zone. So this could be something like gym anxiety, using a machine that they haven't used before, stepping into a new gym. I had a situation with a client the other day. She was in the car uh, waiting to get go into a new gym that she had been as a, you know walked around before. And there were, I believe that she was saying there was, it was quite a male dominant present in that gym and everyone was kind of like intermediate to advanced. She was feeling nervous about having eyes on her and looking silly. And she messaged me about that. And we had a back and forth and I, I had just said to her some things about like, you know, just talk me through the thoughts that you're having and, you know, let's, let's play out worst case scenario and what would that look like? And in doing that, she realized that like worst case scenario really wasn't too bad. And that even if someone did come up and speak to her and say, oh, hey, did you know you could do this with your form or whatever? Like sometimes people are idiots and they have no idea what they're talking about. And I've had it happen to me too. Uh, And sometimes you could make a friend, like you could make a friendly face and maybe they are giving you something helpful. And it's okay. It's okay to learn something new from someone at a gym. Like I said, I would probably say 70% of the time people have no idea what they're talking about and you could just nod and smile. Um, If you don't want to, you know, you could also tell them to that you don't appreciate them coming over to you but there is a chance that they could say something that was really helpful you could get to chatting find out a little bit about them and maybe make a friend or you know have a friendly face that you can say hello to at the gym yeah so when we actually dive into what's making us anxious and then play it out and go okay so what if someone judges you in their head to be fair with you some people will be judging you in their head i'm not going to be the coach who's like well, no one's paying attention to you anyway. Most people won't be paying attention to you, but there will be some people judging you. And can I just say something uncomfortable that we probably all don't want to admit? Uh, I'm sure some of you have judged other people, okay? Whether it's been their form, you know their form is shit and you've judged them, whether it's been what they're wearing, whether it's been how their their mannerisms and their demeanor, You know, if they're having fun and dancing around and singing and whatever, I'm sure as uncomfortable as this is to hear that you might have judged other people. But can I just say also, they have no fucking idea that you've done that. It's in your head. They have no idea. So can I just say, number one, it's a really good moment in time to recognize our own judgment of others and be a little bit more empathetic. And when we have that judgmental voice in our head to question it, be like, um, no, I don't actually think that about that person. Let's change that narrative. When I see someone really enjoying themselves and bopping around at the gym, I'm not going to be like, who do they think they are or anything like that. Or if I see someone engaging in form at the gym, that's not quite right. I can sit there and judge them in my head and be like, what an idiot. Or maybe I could fucking help them. Maybe I could go up to them and just be like, hey, how are you going? Blah, blah, blah. Amazing. You know, what are you doing? Are you training for anything in, in particular? 
yeah, yeah, cool. Hey, I see you doing this. Have you actually tried this? Who knows, right? It could be something that's really, really valuable to them and helps them with their training. Or again, you say nothing, but when that voice comes into your head, you go, hey, I'm not, I'm not about it. I'm not about judging other people. I'm just going to let that one go. Okay. And you'll start to see the less you judge others, the less you judge yourself as well. Often when we're in really heavy judgment mode of ourselves, again, I know we don't like to admit this, but we can find ourselves judging other people just as much. So this could also be with food anxiety. So getting out of their comfort zone in terms of, for a lot of the women I coach, it's actually more flexibility with their food. So I might get them to do an untracked day or untracked meals or eat certain types of foods that they're scared of eating, you know, like white rice or fried foods or something like that, just to start to uh, undo the rigidity, which can end up backfiring. And what we know uh, from the way people consume, those people who are, and the word, the actual proper phrase is escaping me right now, rigidly restrictive. That's what the phase is. The people who are the most rigidly restrictive actually have the worst relationship with food and believe it or not, long-term actually eat in ways that cause them to um, lead to, to health issues which you might not think, again, for someone who's really in that, it might be counterintuitive. But if I'm flexible, if I let go of the reins, then all of these bad things are going to happen to me. What actually happens is you become so much less food focused because there aren't all these rules around your food anymore. And you don't fucking let yourself go. Like so many people are worried that if I, but if I loosen my grip, everything's going to, you know, my whole life is going to collapse. It's not, it's actually going to get better. And the more you tighten your grip, the more your world is going to collapse around you. Man, that goes for so many things. I really think that that applies to so many different aspects of life as well. But this can look like not having to read menus before they're going to eat their food and scour the menus, right? It can be choosing what they actually want for once. And it could actually be psychological support. I'm not a psychologist, but I would say maybe a quarter to a little bit less than a quarter of my clients do seek psychological support, whether that's ongoing and a long-term relationship or whether that's for a short period of time to help them. And for some people that can still be quite taboo or scary to do, but it can really help support them in their goals in the gym as well. Okay. So we've gone through so far. The first one is trusting the process. The second one is communicating with me, even when it's uncomfortable. The third one is overall getting out of their comfort zone. The fourth one is actually about training intensity. So again, like I was saying before, the women who come to me pretty much really like training anyway. That's typically a consistency for them. Uh, It's rare that I would have a client where consistency or like quote unquote motivation is something that gets in their way of training. They like to train, right? But what is missing for most women that come to me is actually learning how to train close to failure, really, because I think we can think that, but there's typically some concerns with like safety or we just don't know what that feels like or we don't want to feel the discomfort that comes with getting to that place of a true, you know, two or so RIR. Um, some other clients, uh, I have a few, but not too many, do engage in ego lifting where we're starting to see 
form breakdown to the point that we're not targeting the target tissue or the muscles that we want to target anymore. So I kind of have to bring them back, but really practicing their training intensity and dialing up their form. And so how do they do that? It's typically through sending me through videos. The clients who get the best results definitely are the ones sending me their videos. And it doesn't mean all of their exercises every week. It might mean, um, when they're doing something new, when they haven't done an exercise for a little while, when they're not seeing the progress they want through a particular movement. And typically when a client first starts with me, I very, very much appreciate seeing really how they move across most of the major lifts. Like show me some kind of compound pull, show me a compound push, show me um, you know, a squat pattern and a hinge pattern, right? For our for our lower, just so I can see what's happening. Because sometimes we can think we know what we're doing. And again, I've been in this place before myself, uh, but when we have a trained eye, if we, especially if we haven't had a trained eye looking at us, but I've even had clients who have had previous coaches before and for whatever reason, things weren't picked up and then we can pick them up and we get far better results. So the reason why is we're preventing injury, we're decreasing the risk of niggles, but we're also um, increasing the likelihood that we are going to target the muscles that we want to target in the way that we want to. And therefore, we're going to see better bang for our buck in the time spent in the gym. But this fourth one is to keep on practicing your technique, not cracking the shits when we're not good at something as we would be, but sending through your video so I can help. And then also making sure we're training close to failure. Okay, so we're really getting in into that again, that uncomfortable zone of um, training close to failure. And then the final one, the fifth one is they're working on and they are in practice changing their self-talk, okay? So a big part of this is finally acknowledging their wins. So most, most, I would say like 95% of the women that come to me do not acknowledge their wins in the gym, like really hard for them to do it. And they can't even see the wins. Like they, they literally can't see like when it, there's a question in my check and it's like, what, what was something you did well this week? And if it's something that they do consistently well, they just see it as a given. They don't see it as that they've done it well. And I really make the emphasis on like, These are the things that are coming up from an objective observer that you have done well. So I point them out. I say, so you've done this well, you've done this well, you've done this well. And it really helps, especially with those clients who are black and white on off. And I've spoken about this before, and I don't care if it's offensive. It's really lazy. It's really lazy thinking. It's trying to simplify life to a point that you cannot. Like life is not black and white. It's not on and off. Okay. It's very dynamic. There are dichotomous ideas we have to hold at the same time. Something can be good and bad at the same time. And if that makes you uncomfortable, well, it's the, it's the fact of life. Okay. There are, there are multiple things happening at once and the clients who are on off black, white, and refuse to go here and start to appreciate that something is that, that the, that our training and nutrition and our mindset and our lifestyle is actually on a spectrum on a spectrum, the clients who fail to do that are usually the ones who ghost and drop off. And then they'll be back a year later, like, I'm so sorry. I really want to give this another shot that that whole thing just really, you know, I'm not proud of it. And I can see the error in my ways of being so rigid, rigid once again. Okay. So we need to employ psychological flexibility when it comes to reviewing our weeks and months and years. Okay. And it's fine. You might not achieve your goals and that might feel like shit and that's okay. Feel like shit for not achieving your goals. Like I'm not trying to sugarcoat that. That's fine. 
And also, let's look at what you did, what you think you did well, what you think you didn't do well, what could we do, do the goals make sense? There's a lot of stuff happening all of the time, and I definitely work best with women who are willing to go there and not just black-white, okay? So changing their self-talk, acknowledging their wins, acknowledging wins that they wouldn't usually. So again, typically this is going to be related to flexibility. So uh, a lot of the wins that I get were I actually rested without guilt. I was actually sit down. I was actually able to sit down for three hours and read a book on a Sunday, and I wasn't, you know, feeling like I had to get up and keep myself busy because I can't stand the thought of just being with myself for three hours, right? And that does start to play into other facets. You're like, how does that relate to training? Well, number one, recovery. We need the rest and recovery to be able to um, build our muscle mass over time. Remember, the building of the muscle isn't specifically happening in the training. So yes, we do need to be implementing things in training, like uh, training close to failure. But in terms of the building over time, we need food and rest to be able to do that. So that's how that plays in there. But it also plays in there with like loose, loosening the reins on what we thought we had to do. And typically people are just overcomplicating the process and making things way harder because to them, it's like, it's not worth it if it feels quote unquote easy. I can't be doing it right if it actually feels easy. And this is something that so many of us have been programmed with, which is like, You have to work extremely hard for everything you want. And it's like, yes and no, okay? So typically at the start of something, when we're learning something new, there is going to be a learning curve and things will feel way harder. But especially what I've seen with like this um, training and nutrition is I would say overall, like for me now, having been training for seven years, it's not particularly hard. It requires a degree of effort in a sense, like training close to failure, which is something that I don't, you know, I don't do extremely well all of the time. I'll be the first to admit that. That takes like, I would say actually probably more mental effort than anything, but it's not like this complicated matrix process formula that I don't quite understand anymore, right? It's actually like fairly simple and quote unquote easy. And I don't need to make things harder for myself than they they need to be, right? And making sure that we're acknowledging that and acknowledging that it doesn't mean we're a shit person. If things actually are coming to us fairly easy, it doesn't mean we don't deserve them. If things are coming to us fairly easy, we don't need to make something harder just to feel worthy of it. Okay. It can be, it can be pretty carefree. It can be pretty chill. We can have fucking fun lifting, Okay, so that's the fifth one. They're changing or have changed in some areas, their self-talk. They're starting to acknowledge their wins and they're starting to go, oh, okay, actually to get results, I don't need to train six to seven hours, uh, six to seven days a week, two hours a day. I don't need to be overly rigidly restrictive with my food. I don't need to take Tupperware to my in-laws. I can be more flexible with that. Training four days is actually, you know, where I'm going to get my most peak performance. Um following the set amount of sets that Amy has given, even though it's less than my program doesn't take me two hours, I'm actually only doing what I need to do to get amazing results. Because if I do more than that, I'm going to impact my recovery and actually get worse results, right? And it's just acknowledging that. It's acknowledging I can get amazing results on four days of training, even though I used to think I had to do six to be a quote unquote fitness chick, right? It's just like 
releasing all of these stories that we've built up about ourselves about what it means to be fit what it means to be someone who trains what it means to be someone who gets good gets good results and in my specific area of the women that I'm coaching like in this little bubble and if you're listening to this it's more often than not being okay with not wearing pushing yourself to the brink of burnout every single week as a badge of honor we have to be willing to let that go we have to be willing to not need to identify ourselves as this person as this woman who's running herself in the ground into the ground just to like be special okay because that's not what's special about us burning ourselves out is not what is special about us (laughs) getting cool results doing only what we need to do is really smart and that's what's special about us (laughs) okay So we are going to be the women who are praising themselves for the good stuff that they do. And for any areas that we need to improve, we're not going to make it emotional. We're not going to make make it mean anything about us being a good or bad person. We're just going to make it mean that we have an area to build a skill. We have an area that we can learn a little bit more. That's all that is. Okay. You know, I think if any of you have kids or even if any, I don't want to compare kids to pets, please. I don't want to offend anyone by saying that I don't have kids. I have, I have a dog who I love more than anything. Um, but I just wanted to say like, if we're teaching a kid something, or even if we're teaching a pet something again, I hope I'm not offending anyone by saying that, but we don't make them like into a bad person or a bad pet if they don't grasp something straight away. Even if they're slow to learn something, we provide encouragement, we show them where the gap is, and we can provide them steps to help get them there. It means nothing about them. So why are you making your gap in skill mean anything about you? It doesn't make sense. Okay, so that was the five. So let's wrap up. If you want to, in 2023, ensure that you're growing muscle, you're building your strength, you're hitting PBs, and you're building a body you're proud of, these are the five takeaway points that you can start to apply to see better results for you. Number one, it's trusting the process. Number two is communicating, even when it's uncomfortable. Number three is being willing to get out of your comfort zone and have that feel uncomfortable. Number four is practicing your training intensity technique. And if you have a coach, sending them through videos to help you. And then number five is changing your self-talk to stop beating yourself up so much. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the episode and I hope these five points are things you can really start to think about every day, every week to improve your training and your results in the gym. This is the last episode for the year. So I hope you have an absolutely Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and should give you a couple of weeks to catch up on any remaining episodes. As always, please shoot me through a DM. And actually, whilst you're hearing this, it's the final couple of days to jump into the Glam Body, which is my online coaching program. Um, if you want a spot to start this year, otherwise um, we'll be open again next year. So make sure you look in the note section below or the description below and shoot me through a DM on Insta if you would like to apply. That's it for me and I'll see you guys soon.